You're listening to the Glory Days of Sports podcast, being brought to you by Genesis Contracting, LLC. In the beginning, called Genesis Contracting, they do roofing, siding, gutters, and interior and exterior remodeling. Plus, they are insurance claims specialists. Call 314-517-2380. Again, 314-517-2380. Tell them you heard about them on the Glory Days of Sports podcast. For those of us who lived through the 1980s in the St. Louis area, what was better than Whitey Ball being narrated by Jack Buck? It was a time when we saw three National League pennants and a World Series championship in 1982. Can you believe we are nearly 30 years removed from Whitey Ball? Nonetheless, the names live on. Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, Ozzie Smith, Jack Clark, Danny Cox, Joaquin Andujar, Bruce Suter, Todd Worrell, and many others, including second baseman number 28, Tom Herr. Herr, broken with the Cardinals in 1979, played in 1,130 games in nine-plus seasons before being traded in the early part of the 1988 season. Here is my interview with Tom Herr, brought to you by Genesis Contracting, LLC. I'm talking with Tom Herr, one of the cornerstones of the great Cardinal teams of the 1980s. Tom, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Starting from the very beginning, you broke in with the Cardinals in 1979, played nine-plus season with the Cardinals. Going back to 1979, what was that experience like breaking in with the Cardinals for the first time? Well, it's always a thrill to uh, come up to the major leagues for the first time. You put a lot of hard work in the minor leagues. Uh, you you know, feel like you're ready to be at the big league level, but until you actually get up there and experience it and go on the field with uh, guys that you've been watching TV, watching on TV, it's uh, it's a huge step. You know, it's a big, big jump from uh, AAA to the big leagues. So it was a thrill for me to get there, but, uh, you know, more of a uh, more of a challenge for me, I guess, just to prove that I could stay there. Early 1980s, Whitey Herzog comes in both as general manager for a while, then as the, uh, of course, the field manager. And we'll talk about the 1982 season here in just a moment. But the one season that stands out was the season you guys did not even make the playoffs, but you guys had the best record until 1981 with the strike. That's when you guys really started turning the corner as a team, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, the 81 season was uh, disjointed because of the work stoppage. Uh, I think we ended up finishing uh, a close second to the Phillies in the first half and a close second to the Expos in the second half. And as you said, we had the best record uh, if you would have combined the two halves. But, uh, you know, in that particular year, they decided to go with uh, winners of the first half and the second half. I think because the first half winners were Philadelphia and uh, I think L.A. was in there. So they had some big markets uh, that they were assured of getting great TV ratings in the playoffs. So they wanted to go with that. Uh, anyway, uh, it kind of uh, set the stage for the following season. You know, we came into the 82 season with a little bit of a chip on our so- shoulder because we felt like we had uh, been cheated, so to speak, in 1981. So that got us going. Uh, the 82 season was was good. You know, we, we developed, uh, you know, very competitive uh, atmosphere in our clubhouse and and we're able to uh you know get through the uh get through the national league east 
back uh, back then there were just two divisions the east and the west so uh you know we had to get through the phillies and the expos and a lot of good teams to uh, just win our division and uh and then of course uh, we took care of the braves in the playoffs that year and, and got to the world series taking on you you mentioned you know the the markets of 1981 as far as postseason uh, perhaps uh, but two uh, fairly small markets in St. Louis and Milwaukee matching up in the 82 World Series and, you know, went seven games the distance. Um, and I'll, you know, never forget the image of Bruce Suter striking out Gorman Thomas for that last out. With that last out, what what was the feeling, that elation of feeling right there? Well, you know, it's hard to put it into words because it's such a culmination of so many events, you know, the to, to think that the... You know, you go through spring training, you play 30 spring training games, and then you go through a 162-game regular season, then you go through a playoff uh, scenario. And to think that it it all comes down to one game, and then when it's, you know, when it's finally decided, uh, you you really don't know how to feel. You know, it's such a mixture of uh, elation and emotion and gratitude and thankfulness and also just a a release of uh, tension there's a you know you kind of take a deep breath and and just you know realize that it's all over and you can rest and so you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of things thrown into the into the pot and uh it's something that i wish every player could experience because it's it's great and uh, you know as great as it is you know I went to two other World Series where uh, they came down to the seventh game, and and we were on the wrong end of those uh, those two. So it's it's great on one end and and pretty pretty brutal on the other. Yeah, after the '82 season, you guys had a couple of down years in '83 and '84. The 1985 team is still one of perhaps my favorite sports teams ever. You guys won 101 games, but still barely won the division by three games over the Mets. And we'll talk about the postseason in a moment, but what was that regular season like battling the Mets day in and day out? Well, it was uh, it was a great rivalry. You know, uh, the, the uh, Mets-Cardinals uh, rivalry, rivalry of the mid-'80s was as good as it gets. You know, we were... Uh, you know, we were hated when we went to New York, and of course, uh, when the Mets came into St. Louis, they were pond scum. Uh, yeah, they were. <laughs> they were pond scum. So, I mean, it, it was uh, it was intense, and uh, we knew that we, uh, you know, they were the team to beat, and they knew that we were the team to beat. So, um, I think what uh, what pushed us over the top that year is we were. Um, uh, I think we played the Mets pretty even for the season series, but we were better. Uh, you know, we you know we beat up the teams we were supposed to beat up on. You know, Pittsburgh was was down that year, and we we took care of them. And um, you know, sometimes uh, over the course of the of the long season, um, you know, you get beat by some teams that probably shouldn't beat you. And that's one thing that that 85 team really, really took care of business. And, you know, we beat the teams and won, won the series that we were supposed to win. And that's what really uh, gave us that little extra edge over the Mets. 
one of the most incredible stats that um, I, I don't know if, if it'll ever be duplicated. That year, you had 110 RBI while hitting only eight home runs, and obviously you had some guys uh, getting on base ahead of you. Yeah, it was a special year for me personally, and uh, also for, uh, you know, for Vince Coleman leading off at, at a super year, uh, over 100 stolen bases, and of course, Willie McGee was the MVP in the National League that year, hit 350-something and stole 56 or or whatever. So having those two guys in front of me, uh, you know, that's, that's a big reason why I had 110 RBIs. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I took a lot of pitches to let them run, too. You know, a lot of people say, well, you all you got was fastballs to hit. And I go, well, <laughs> yeah, I took a lot of those. I took a lot of those fastballs so Vince could steal second and steal third. And, uh, and so, you know, my, my job, at, you know, was not only to be uh, selective and patient up there and let these guys run and get into scoring position, but then to, uh, you know, to move them along. And, you know, I think, I think 26 of my RBIs that year were, were at bats that I made an out, you know, either hit a ground ball to drive them in or, or a fly ball to drive them in. So that, uh, you know, that's an indication of uh, on my part, you know, Patience to get deep in the count and the ability to hit with two strikes and and still make contact and and uh, get the runners in. The nineteen eighty five NLCS against the Dodgers uh, extremely memorable. Everyone talks about the home run by Ozzie Smith in Game Five and deservedly so. One thing that always uh, will I, I will always remember is the Jack Clark home run in Game Six. What was your reaction when he hit that ball out? Well, again, you know, that was, uh, you know, that's, that may be one of the, uh, you know, top three or four moments in all of Cardinal baseball history. I mean, that, that Jack Clark home run, the Jack Buck call, uh, it was just, uh, it was just incredible. And, you know, we knew that, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, an eighth inning home run. We still had to get six outs, but, uh, you know, we knew that, that was probably the blow that got us into the World Series that year, and it was uh, it was just uh, a phenomenal uh, scene, you know, to see you know the way you know as soon as he hit it, when Jack hit him, you knew they were sure, gone, absolutely. And uh, and and that particular one was a was just a bomb, right. and you know he tossed his bat to the dugout <laughs> right. and high five. <laughs> you know, it was just the the whole. Uh, you know, the whole scene was uh, surreal, and well, part of that scene—it <laughs> it was part of that scene that I love—is Pedro Guerrero in left field, barely yeah. even moves and slams down his glove. Yeah, he spiked his glove, and <laughs> and uh, you know that that's you know it, it was such a crushing blow that I think the Dodgers, you know, even though they had six outs to go, I think they they understood at that moment that it was over. And, uh, you know, I, I believe Mike Marshall hit a home run in the bottom of the eighth to get him one run closer. But, uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, that home run uh, did him in. And it was, it was just fabulous to, uh, 
to be a part of that. And, you know, every time I go out to St. Louis, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, where were you when, when Jack hit the home run, you know, it's like, it's kind of like uh, down, it has gone down in folklore of uh, Cardinal baseball, which is pretty cool. I will get back to the glory days of sports podcast in just a moment. Right now I'm talking with Jesse Adams, the owner of Genesis contracting LLC. Jesse, what can you tell me about Genesis contracting? Well, I started Genesis contracting because I wanted to have a, a personal relationship with my customers. Genesis contracting was started to do roof repairs, roof replacements, gutters, siding, generally everything on the outside of the house, but we also do interior remodeling and, and things like that. But um, I'm a customer service oriented type of guy. And so uh, the company that I was working for didn't, didn't seem to have as much interest in having that kind of relationship with the customer. So that's why I started Genesis Contracting. You mentioned being inside and outside, uh, and I recently saw that on your Facebook page of Genesis Contracting. What can you tell me about some of the projects that you guys have done inside and outside? Well, outside, of course, we do roof, gutters, siding, soffit fascia, um, and decks. We do concrete work as well, patio replacements. And on the inside, we do painting and uh, basement uh, remodels, bathroom remodels, pretty much anything that's not new construction we're capable of taking care of. You hit on one thing, customer service. I can't tell you how huge of a thing that is for me. It, to me, it's all about customer service. I enjoy having a relationship with people. Um, when we're working on people's homes, it's their biggest investment, and they want to know that they are working with somebody that can be trusted, and um, I like bringing that to the table. What about insurance claims? Are you guys uh, involved with insurance claims at all? Yes, I have a lot of experience doing insurance claims. So if your home has been damaged by wind or hail, or even fire. Uh, I work closely with insurance companies to um, take care of your insurance claim. I can do all the back and forth between uh, the insurance company and and the customer and just make sure that the job gets completed from start to finish. Jesse Adams of Genesis Contracting LLC. Jesse, how can people get a hold of Genesis Contracting? You can call me at 314-517-2380 or reach me by email at jesse, J-E-S-S-E dot Genesis Contracting at gmail.com. And uh, also on social media, Facebook, you can find us, Genesis Contracting. That is Jesse Adams with Genesis Contracting, LLC. Give him a call, 314-517-2380. Again, 314-517-2380. And check him out on Facebook. Be sure to tell him you heard about them on the Glory Days of Sports podcast. Unfortunately, uh, on the downside of things, uh, the ensuing World Series, a great World Series, the I-70 Series with the Royals, that also goes to a Game 7, but in Game 6, of course, everybody remembers the Don Denkinger call. What was your reaction to that when that happened? Well, there's some pretty good photographs of what my reaction was. You know, I was, you know, I was, uh, obviously, I was moving towards first base when that ground ball got hit because it was, you know, it, it took Jack off the, off, uh, off the base and he actually could have just stayed on the base and let me field. It would have been a routine play and, and, uh, you know, probably Denkinger doesn't mess up a, a routine play, but, uh, the way the play happened, Jack, you know, Jack was moving one way, fielding the ball, throwing it back another way. Worrell was moving, uh, from pitcher's mound to first base and Denkinger was, had moved into foul ter- territory and was, you know, migrating towards home plate. So there were three, three elements of the play all moving in different directions. And I, I think he just got kind of 
discombobulated a little bit and uh, and missed the call. Uh, you know, for me, I was standing maybe where he should have been standing in fair territory with a with a perfect view of the play, and uh, and I, I could see that he was out, but. Um, you know, that was that was just one of those. Uh, you know, my my reaction was uh, incredulous. I couldn't believe that he he had called him out, and you know, I you know I got right up in his face immediately, and 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 of course argued, and then by that time Whitey got out there and and got me out of there. But uh, you know, it was a uh, it was uh, an awful call, and uh, at, at an awful you know at an awfully important time of the game, you Absolutely. know. It, it you know when it's hard enough to get three outs in the uh, bottom of the ninth, uh, let alone in a, in a game six of a World Series with you know especially when the emotions are thrown all out of kilter like uh, like that play made things uh, just kind of go crazy. And 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 this might be a, a dumb follow up question. However, if there had been replay back in those days, like they do now, do you think the call would have been overturned? Oh, without a doubt, it would have it would have taken about two seconds for him to overturn the call, and we'd have back, been back playing again. You know, bottom of the ninth, one out. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a no brainer. Gotcha. So you mentioned Jack Clark and uh, Cardinal folklore uh, a few moments ago. Another moment in Cardinal folklore: April seventeenth, nineteen eighty-seven. The Cardinals were having a promotional seat cushion night, which uh, thousands of those seat cushions ended up on the uh, turf of uh, Bush Stadium with your uh, game-winning Grand Slam. Uh, definitely a moment that goes down in Cardinal history there. Yeah, that that was a, another special night. You know, I, I think earlier in the game, uh, a bunch of seat cushions came out. Uh, you know, Terry Pendleton might have hit a, hit, a, hit a double and drove in some runs or something, and some of the cushions came out in celebration. And then uh, the game went to extra innings and, of course, ended with the uh, with the grand slam home run and, and a lot more of them came out at that point. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I've, I've signed a lot of, a lot of those things, uh, <laughs> over the years. So not everybody threw them out, <laughs> right. but, uh, there were, they, they sure did collect a lot of them. We, um, 1987, of course, uh, ended with another National League championship for the Cardinals, which were, really was kind of the final time for Whitey Ball to be the you know head of the National League. And what was it like playing for uh, Whitey Herzog day in and day out? Well, it was, uh, it was great for me personally. I, I think, uh, you know, my, my personality as a player was, um, you know, I needed a guy like Whitey to kind of uh, kind of let me do my thing. You know, I, I was a guy that uh, prepared, you know, as far as like stretching and running before the game. Um, and, and Whitey, he allowed, he allowed his players, he, you know, he trusted his players. He allowed us to, you know, to go about our own routines uh, and, and he trusted us to be ready to play every day. You know, there, the only thing he required is that, you know, we took batting practice when, you know, when, whenever there was hitting on the field, you know, we were required to be out there for batting practice. And also that was back in the day when you took infield before the game. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we took infield before every game and, uh, that was actually fun. I enjoyed taking infield. I liked going out there and, and I remember as a kid growing up and going to big league games, one of the, one of the most 
my favorite things was to watch big league teams take an infield before the game. You know, it was like, it was inspiring to see how, how slick they were and how great they could throw the ball and everything. And you know, that's something in today's game that's gone. You know, I, I think uh, it's a shame in, in my opinion, <clears throat> but uh, you know, yeah, getting back to Whitey, he was, he was a manager that had a lot of trust in his players. You know, he, he gave like uh, six guys in the lineup, a green light to run uh, whenever they, they wanted to. And uh, you know, the only time he stopped us from running was, you know, he would, he would put a, a stop sign on and, uh, but that was very rare. So, uh, you know, he, he entrusted his players and, um, for me, uh, that was, that was a perfect kind of guy to play for because I liked the independence. You know, I was a, uh, I felt like I was a smart enough player to know, you know, when to do things and when not to do things. So, uh, it was nice that he, he had that confidence. <clears throat> Early in the 1988 season, he got traded to the Minnesota Twins. And I was reading last night that it wasn't something that uh, I, I guess you really took too well. I mean, obviously, you don't have much of a choice in the matter, but you didn't exactly want to go to the Twins. Well, it, it hit me very hard. You know, I had kind of, uh, you know, I grew up in the Cardinal organization, had spent eight years there in the big leagues. And uh, kind of, uh, you know, envisioned myself, you know, being a Cardinal for my whole career. You know, I, that was that was uh, obviously a goal of mine. And I had a very close relationship with teammates. And, uh, of course, you know, Whitey and I had uh, developed a great relationship. So, it, you know, it hurt. You know, it hurt more than anything. And, um, you know, just the shock of it you know, occurring early in the season and, you know, a lot of things hit you at once. You know, I knew, uh, I was going to have to try to get rid of my townhouse that I had bought. And, you know, I was worried about my family making the transition and, and, uh, you know, there were a lot of things and, uh, but you know, that's baseball. And, you know, I got up there and, uh, <clears throat> suffered through some, uh, quad injuries, a uh, couple different stints on the DL that year and, and, you know, had some difficulty really, really showing the twins what kind of player I was. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, in the second half of the season, I got healthy and I, I finished very, very strong up there, you know, ended up having a pretty solid year and, and, uh, you know, actually really, uh, made some great friends on the twins, still very close to Gary Gaetti and, and, uh, guys like that. So, uh, ended up really enjoying my year in, in, uh, Minnesota. <clears throat> I think they knew I wasn't going to sign back and they, they ended up trading me to the Phillies at the, after that season. But, uh, you know, looking back on it, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for the year that I had there. You eventually retire in 1991. What has kept you busy for the last 27 years? Well, a lot of things, you know, I, uh, I got involved with high school, uh, sports, you know, coaching, uh, you know, for, for, uh, many years I was, I was a volunteer, uh, uh, football coach and basketball coach and baseball coach at, at the uh, high school that I grew up in. You know, I played all three sports that when I grew up and, and loved them all. And, uh, one of my closest friends is, is the uh, head football coach and the head baseball coach, so he was glad to have me on his staff. And then uh, also, uh, you know, I got, also got involved with the baseball or the basketball program. 
And then uh, in, in 2005, uh, uh, professional baseball came here to uh, Lancaster in my hometown uh, with a team in the Atlantic League. So I managed that team for a couple years and then uh, and then took uh, a job with the Washington Nationals organization and managed in their minor league system. And <clears throat> like uh, like most managers, when they get hired, uh, you get fired at some time. Right. So, I, uh, you know, from, from, from about 2010, uh, on, I, I was out of baseball, still actively trying to get back in, but, uh, have not had, uh, success doing that. Tom, I can, uh, appreciate, uh, as a kid growing up in the 1980s, uh, here in the St. Louis area, I can't tell you what it means to me to uh, have you, uh, take about, uh, you know, 20, 25 minutes out of your time and, uh, speak to me over the phone truly do appreciate it it's been great talking to you thanks a lot it's always great to uh reconnect with the fans out in st louis and uh hope to be out there soon maybe at an autograph session here or there and um you know shake hands with all the the great fans out there again in 13 seasons tom Kerr had a lifetime fielding percentage of 989 he retired in 1991 as a member of the san francisco giants he has two sons who played minor league ball. One of them, Aaron, played for the Springfield Cardinals in 2005. On the next Glory Days of Sports podcast, I will talk with David Mickey Evans, the writer and director of the movie The Sandlot. The Sandlot was released 25 years ago in April. Thanks so much for listening to the Glory Days of Sports podcast, brought to you by Genesis Contracting, LLC. Music is courtesy of bensound.com.